When Max and I first talked, we were talking about the Dorothy Hodgkin biography and I mentioned the enormous volume of family letters that I'd been able to uh, wade through in order to carry out my research for that book. Um, letters really give an insight into a subject in a way that interviews either with the subject him or herself or their friends simply can't do you you see the mind of the person themselves in the letters they write especially those that they write uh, to family and friends which clearly they they are not expecting are ever going to get any kind of public airing and when I talked about this to Max he looked slightly crestfallen and said he was very sorry that I wouldn't have the same access to uh, such a wealth of material in his case uh, because he really hadn't been careful to keep his correspondence. Um, but after he died I discovered that it wasn't the case at all that there was a shortage of original material. Max's wife Gisela, to whom he was married for almost 60 years, they were shortly to have celebrated their 60th wedding anniversary just before he died, uh, had received uh, numerous letters from him. Whenever he travelled, he would write, write more or less every other day. And she had kept every letter that he'd sent. And I don't think he was aware of that. But they were squirrelled away around the house in, in caches, in, you know, under her knitting bag or uh, in filing cabinets. And gradually this uh, tremendous collection of letters emerged. And of course, at the same time, Max was a prolific scientific correspondent and wrote to colleagues all over the world, many of whom have subsequently archived their papers. Uh, and so his letters are accessible in those archives. Uh, and I found, in fact, that I had at least as much original material to work with as I had in the case of Dorothy Hodgkin, uh, beginning with letters that he wrote as a university student uh, to a girlfriend who had gone back to England. Uh, the letters were written in German, but I was uh, lucky enough to be able to have them translated. And they tell the story of his life as a student at the University of Vienna between 1932 and 1936, a tumultuous time in the politics of Austria. And although he later claimed that he had no interest in politics, these letters really give the lie to that. He was following very closely what was going on. He was anxious to know what British, the British papers thought of what was going on in Germany and Austria around that time. And uh, these letters to his girlfriend, which were returned to him after the death of, of the woman he had been writing to, um, were themselves a wonderful source. And then, of course, there's a letter he wrote to Felix Horowitz, the biochemist who was married to his cousin Gina, uh, who in 1937 was based in Prague, and Max went to visit him to talk about his uh, PhD thesis topic. He hadn't, he'd been in Cambridge a year and hadn't decided what to study for his, for, for his uh, PhD thesis, uh, hadn't got a molecule to work on, and it was Felix Horowitz who suggested he try haemoglobin. And Horowitz, who had to leave Prague, went and worked in Istanbul, subsequently moved to Bloomington, Indiana, kept that letter that Max wrote in August 1937 through all those travels. I find that completely remarkable, and it's one of the joys of doing this kind of research, that you can go back in time through letters that were written uh, and uh, see exactly what was going through people's minds. 
I've quoted quite extensively from Max's letters, but obviously there's a limit to how much uh, direct quotation you can include in a biography. And so I'm really thrilled that Cold Spring Harbour Laboratory Press is going to publish the selected letters of Max Perutz, edited by his daughter Vivian. I think that'll really uh, give people an insight into uh, the way his mind worked and the kind of person that he was.